Welcome to this week's Somerset Emotional Wellbeing podcast. And we're really pleased to be talking um, with Alcohol Awareness Week coming up with, on the topic of mental health and alcohol. My name is Dr. Andrew Trisser. I work for Somerset, C- Somerset CCG. And I'm Peter Bagshaw, GP and mental health lead for Somerset CCG. And our guest this week, we're really pleased to welcome Carl Morrison. Carl, would you be kind enough to introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Carl Morrison. I work for Somerset Council for Public Health. Um, I'm a health promotion manager leading on substance use. Lovely. And we're talking about alcohol today. And in a way, alcohol certainly is a substance that many of us are very familiar with. And we focus on alcohol today. Um, Peter and I will have learned that uh, the physiological effect is that it actually it has to be metabolised by the body um, through the aldehyde pathway, uh, that it actually acts as a slow poison in some ways and the liver gets rid of it and then, 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 then it's gone. And of course the effects that we have are that we feel um, relaxed very often, slightly disinhibited, um, it, it helps us feel less anxious sometimes and so a lot of people use alcohol in a social situation or or personally um tell us is there a problem um absolutely um within yeah there is some issues with alcohol i mean yes obviously it is very socially acceptable um and people use it uh for many different reasons uh where we get concerned is where alcohol becomes an issue because people depend on it to uh relieve symptoms such as stress and anxiety uh and all and other mental health issues that can be that can go hand in hand with heavy drinking and i've heard that we're all going to emerge from lockdown hunks chunks or drunks um is there any evidence that that's the case Certainly anecdotally, I find a lot of people will just crack open a bottle of wine and share a bottle of wine and be above the recommended units without even thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, uh, some, a poll that was released about alcohol change sort of mid-lockdown uh, was showing that uh, alcohol habits are, are changing because of lockdown. And the example I, I tend to give is um, now predominantly, you know, a lot of people are working from home. Um, they're finishing work at five o'clock and then, uh, you know, they're already at home. So there isn't that commute. So that first drink of the evening, that relaxing, that's that special one that they have when they finish work, it can be an hour or more earlier. So therefore, you know, through the course of the evening, they've started earlier and, um, uh, and the, the level of alcohol they're drinking per night can increase. Uh, and what the, professionals or the experts are concerned about is after lockdown after this is over that people continue to drink at those levels okay thank you so just let's get some facts first of all if we may um what's the upper limit of number of units per week recommended for men and for women uh by the um health by the health authorities by the um medical officers it's interesting you say actually for both men and women because um, the, the old recommendations, men and women had different levels uh, and still, um, I, you know, um, people ask me about that and believe there's still a difference in the genders. Uh, but, but since 2018, the recommended guidelines is 40 units per week and that's for both men and women um, and that's recommended by the chief medical officers. And that's a glass of wine 
a day, isn't it? So it's very, very easy to go over that recommended limit without thinking that you're drinking excessively. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Because, you know, um, obviously in our current circumstances where, you know, pubs and bars are shut, if you're drinking at home, it's it's home measures. So one glass of wine can easily be three, four units, you know, just one glass of wine. So just, you know, there's this nebulous thing called unit. And I talked about units for years without knowing what they were. But somebody told me that a unit of alcohol is 10 millilitres of pure alcohol. So if you've got beer, let's say, which is 5% alcohol, and you have just under a half a pint, you have 500 mils, you're actually having 2.5 units. Or if you've got a bottle of wine, 700 mils at 14%, so a sort of quite a robust uh, red wine, then you're jolly nearly 10 units. And so a whole bottle of wine, of stronger wine, could actually, um, if you're very generous with your glasses, be over three units a glass. Or if you're quite um, regular with the glasses, the 125 mil ones, then, uh, then it's probably just at one and a half units per glass. Is, is that helpful to have that sort of cl- clarification? Absolutely, but you've also highlighted how complex it is and how it, it can be quite hard to judge how many units you're drinking um, because it really it depends on uh, yeah exactly what it is you're drinking, the brand, uh, you know, and uh, the strength of the drink. Uh, we recommend um, using apps. Uh, counting your units is a very good way of you know looking at your drinking and, and, and what I like to call thoughtful drinking rather than habitual drink. So, so actually thinking about how much you're drinking and these apps, you can actually put in the brand names, you know, the exact of what you're drinking and how much, and it will tell you how many units you've had over that evening and then over the week. Uh, but it also tells you things like, you know, how much you would have spent and how many calories this for some people um you know calorie counting it will help them reduce their drinking as well that sounds really helpful and certainly at at work i see lots of patients who are showing effects of alcohol uh but really don't think that they're drinking excessively and it's only when you go through this will with them and drill down into the amount that they're drinking that they realize that actually they're well well above the units yeah, absolutely. Um, it's very easy uh, to drink above that 14 units. Um, and it's, I find that the, 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 a really good way of re- reducing how much you're drinking is having totally alcohol free days, two or possibly three days where you don't drink at all. And that'll really help keep you sort of closer to that recommended guidelines. Thank you. Um, we know quite a lot about the physical effects of alcohol, um, firstly on the brain, although that's not recognised so much, but also on the liver and affecting uh, diabetes and things. And as you've just mentioned, uh, Carl, the calories. But how can alcohol affect mental health? And why is alcohol a socially acceptable legal drug when it's linked to health issues and death, yet other safer substances are not, not necessarily socially acceptable? But how is it, how is it linked to mental, mental health? How can it affect mental health? Well, I mean, um, alcohol has been described as UK's favourite coping me- mechanism. So uh, when people are going through a stressful time or uh, have feelings of anxiety and depression, um, you know, uh, they, will, they, they, they will handle that with having a drink. 
um, and that will give short-term relief. Um, but uh, it's, it's been found that using alcohol to relieve those mental health issues, the long-term effect is, is the complete opposite and will increase feelings of anxiety and stress. Um, and it's, what they say is uh, alcohol has a mutually reinforcing relationship uh, with mental health. Uh, so if someone's suffering from depression, uh, alcohol will increase that and vice versa. If people are heavy drinkers, it can cause depression. It, it certainly seems to be the case with quite a lot of drugs, doesn't it? That something that you take that makes you feel better short term, when that drug wears off, you actually feel worse long term. I don't know if, if that's how you feel the mechanism is with alcohol. Absolutely, because we know that, you know, uh, having a drink, uh, a drink can uh, release dopamine, which is one of those happy hormones. So it does give sort of short-term, you know, release of stress and anxiety. Uh, and also physiologically, interestingly, um, alcohol acts as a depressant to a certain extent, and the body counters this by releasing glutamate. So there's the phenomenon called the glutamate surge. So some of us have woken up at three o'clock in the morning, the alcohol has been metabolized, we went to sleep easily, and we wake up wide awake, we can't get back to sleep again. And that's actually a direct effect of the glutamate on, on the brain. Uh, and so that glutamate surge isn't widely known, but is, is a cause of insomnia. And of course, sometimes we might use alcohol to get to sleep. So it's uh, interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's that fallacy, yeah, that, if, that, that alcohol can help someone sleep. But it, it does disrupt the sleep. Um, and, and part of our campaign to promote uh, Dry January uh, one of the benefits of, of a month without alcohol is uh, improving your sleep uh, and therefore your mood uh, and also on your immune system. You know, so it's those benefits, you know, that, that people I, I tend not to know about. Thank you. That's very helpful, Carl. Um, a lot of people do suffer sleep disruption from it. And I, I have to confess, although I like the taste of cider, I'm a complete lightweight. And uh, I, I've, I've, sorry, I, I'm not sure that I should be using that sort of term or now. And I do apologise. Uh, it's not meant to offend any listeners. But um, I, at medical school, um, maybe some of my friends might have drunk a little bit of alcohol, but I used to... Um, I used to fall over drunk after about one and a half pints of beer, so I found it much safer to work behind the bar and uh, and, and and drink orange juice all evening and, and just watch everybody else and try and help them um, stay relatively be well behaved. Um, but um, I find that even for me, actually a small amount of alcohol gives me a very restive sleep, a restless sleep, and not a, an, an unrested sleep. Too many rest there, but. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Peter, I know you wanted to come in with something there. I was just, um, in relation to your um, comment about being a lightweight, of, of course there's a very interesting physiology, isn't it? I, I, I believe it's thought that a lot of, of people in, who've uh, evolved in Western societies have evolved to deal with alcohol, the enzyme that breaks it down, because water was unsafe, whereas people without that background uh, aren't able to take the same amount of alcohol uh, because they lack that, that enzyme. So there is a huge difference from person to person so there's alcohol dehydrogenase which varies from person to person and i hadn't i hadn't remembered the fascinating cultural and historical perspectives that you've given that in the middle ages water was unsafe so people would have small beer or or other drinks because they were safer uh, than actually the water fascinating i give um 
I give in, in presentations about alcohol. I always start in 1751 when uh, there was the Gin Act, uh, because they, the the government of the time identified that uh, people were drinking far too much gin, and the health promotion message they sent out was drink beer, not gin. It's much better for you. So you know, there's a, there's a cultural thing. We've actually, as you, as you rightly say, uh, we've been encouraged to drink beer because it was cleaner and safer than drinking the water. So, if we have somebody who can see that their alcohol consumption is is having an adverse effect on them, and they want to do something about it, who do they turn to specifically in Somerset, but more generally? What would you advise, Carl? Um, there's, there's a number of, I mean, straight away, there's, there's so much support you can get on, al on alcohol online now, such as alcohol, you know, uh, NHS choices. Um, but always, you know, we would say your, your first stop would be, uh, your doctor. Um, we know it's difficult times at the moment accessing your doctor may be difficult, but, you know, a, a telephone co conversation, uh, about your concerns would uh, would probably be really beneficial um, and discussing it with your doctor they would look at well you know is it a case of looking at strategies to reduce your drinking or it is you know possibly professional help you know required and your GP can then signpost you or refer you to specialist services thank you thank you and we're lucky enough in Somerset to have Somerset Drug and Alcohol Services, and they're provided by Turning Point. Um, and do I, if I if I wanted to see them, Carl, if I felt I had a problem, would I have to go via my GP, or could I refer myself to to Turning Point to Somerset Drug and Alcohol Services? Yeah, sometimes people would prefer to not go via their GP; that they'd like to, you know, go go seeking help straight to the, the service and they can they can call um turning point and have a discussion with them um and uh turning point will be able to tell them kind of what level they can do an assessment and uh, uh and then suggest a, a course of treatment if it's required that's really helpful and I, i've got their number here which is 0300 303 8788 so that's 0300 303 for somerset drug and alcohol services uh, and and they give some very good and helpful advice peter worth mentioning because we know that we have people listening to us from outside somerset that similar services are available everywhere and from my experience uh, working in lots of different places i always find them helpful they're non-judgmental they're very much client focused uh, and, and they're really, really helpful. I don't know if that's your experience, Carl. Absolutely. Um, I've worked with uh, drug and alcohol services in a number of uh, council areas, uh, including Bristol. And, you know, it, it's so beneficial just to have that conversation with someone. It's non-judgmental. You know, there's no stigma. And I believe, you know, it's such a positive thing just to, just to consider, well, Am I drinking too much? Could I cut down if I tried? And if, if you know, if you are concerned that you wouldn't be able to uh, reduce your drinking without that support, it is there for you, which which I think is fabulous. Thank you. And um, Carl, what's happening in Somerset and nationally for Alcohol Change Week, which is November the sixteenth, the twenty second? Uh, is there anything we should know about? Are there any particularly good websites we should know about? 
Um, so, yes, Alcohol Awareness Week um, runs from the 16th to the 22nd. It's a, it's an annual week. Uh, the theme this year is mental health. Um, and it's, there's, there's, there's two um, uh, bullet points for that. It's, it's to con- encourage us to think about the ways in which we use alcohol to help cope, especially, you know, in 2020, this is uh, a difficult year uh, with lots of anxiety and uncertainty for, for everybody. Um, and it's also about um, highlighting uh, opportunities uh, to, to look at um, how drinking and mental health go hand in hand. Um, in previous years, I'd be out in the community talking to people, talking to groups, talk, you know, going into businesses. But obviously, that's really not going to happen this year. So what we're doing is, along with the rest of Somerset Council and, and Turning Point, we're, we're running a coordinated um, campaign on social media, just trying to get the message out there uh, about alcohol uh, and, and the links to mental health. Um and we'll also be running a, a few workshops here and there so people can actually, uh, via all this new social, all this new kind of, you know, uh, online technology, discuss alcohol and, and, and their experiences of it and really start to challenge attitudes to alcohol, uh, you know, and, and just to highlight, you know, the, the use of the word lightweight. It's, it's, it's interesting how, you know, alcohol uh, is, is, so it's so socially acceptable and heavy drinking can be so socially acceptable up to the point where if you start to show signs that it's actually affecting your health or there is a dependence then you you have that stigma around you so it's really interesting that you know uh, alcoholism is promoted to a certain level and, and and not beyond um so alcohol can be habit forming alcohol use and in fact um, I'm sure both Peter and I have seen people who've come in feeling depressed, but actually they cease their alcohol consumption or they cut it down dramatically and the depression lifts. So it can contribute to um, that, that mental health condition sometimes. Um, they say, you know, um, if, if you do suffer from something like anxiety or depression, that it's recommended uh, and you should always seek advice from a health professional about this. Uh, if you do want to drink, that you stay within the Chief Medical Officer's guidelines of 14 units. For others, it would be recommended that they completely abstain from alcohol to make, and they, they do feel better for that, you know. There's another stereotype I'd, I'd like to challenge, Carl, and I'd be interested to see if you agree with me, which is that we tend to think of alcohol uh, misuse being younger people who go out and binge drink. Uh, and from my reading of the figures, it's actually older people, over 65s, where the rates of alcohol consumption are going up, partly for the reasons we've said about people drinking at home more and having wine rather than beer and that sort of thing. Um, and they're particularly susceptible, of course, to the, the bad effects, physical and mental, of alcohol. Is, is that something that you see? Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, before the lockdown happened um, and, and my work on alcohol, um, we were looking, I mean, for the last 15 years, um, it's been noted that uh, the change in drinking habits in this country um, uh, and people are drinking more at home and the evidence is showing associations with home drinking with, you know, um, alcohol-related harm. 
Um, but what I found interesting with when the CMO guidelines were updated, they avoid using words such as binge because that gave a connotation of binge drinking being, you know, the, the classic people falling around, being sick on the streets of the, you know, in the city centres at the weekend. Um, whereas it's just as easy to binge drink at home that is socially acceptable behind closed doors, you know. Um, so there's the, the similar levels of harm being caused, but, on, you know, the, at home, it seems to be more socially acceptable. And it's the steady, slow use of this. It is actually a poison for the body, which affects the brain, affects the heart, affects the liver. And certainly memory is lost because of alcohol use. Um, there's even just one sort of shot of alcohol will ch cause changes in the mammillary bodies and, and elsewhere. Um, and that's partly due to thiamine deficiency, which many, ha many people have uh, at a subclinical level, because thiamine can actually help a little bit. But um, we have all these physical problems. And you shared with us um, uh, just before we came on air uh, a website, alcoholchange.org.uk, and they've got some really good fact sheets on the physical effects of alcohol, on alcohol and parenting, on alcohol and mental health, and alcohol and diabetes, and, and various aspects, I think. Is there anything you'd like to highlight there for us, uh, Carl? Yes, um, well, Alcohol Change UK are, are the charity behind Alcohol Awareness Week and Dry January. Uh, their website is, is full of uh, good resources for both, uh, you know, the week and the month. Uh, and there's good fact sheets around uh, alcohol and mental health, uh, alcohol in the brain, so a bit, a bit more detail on how alcohol fit, affects the brain and your mood. Um, and all of it is really set at a level that you know is, is it doesn't go too into scientific detail but just gives some really good evidence-based facts about alcohol and, and, and how it affects us and specifically our mental health uh, that's really helpful and um you know some of us might use alcohol for stress but there are other things that we can do for stress there's the five ways to well-being um which you can help us remember i remember connect and i remember give but what are the other ones uh, um yeah i've uh, i've been promoting the five ways to well-being for a good you know 10 years um and i've i use them myself and, and my with my family um and so yeah the, the five are connect be active take notice learn and give and they're just um it's very simply the five evidence-based actions designed to improve someone's health and well-being um and a, and a lot of these i feel um not necessarily under the umbrella of the five ways but a lot of people have naturally you know ensured they they do these during the lockdown you know about connecting with people especially those that are socially isolated that are that live alone that haven't been able to meet friends is how do we connect with each other uh during that and also be active you know um I've, on the streets where i live i've seen so many so many more people walking around or i can uh, new cyclists you know wobbly cyclists uh, so people are definitely doing it, um, and I just think it's a, it's a really powerful but simple message to help us that possibly 
would mean that we don't always depend on uh, drinking uh, an alcoholic beverage, you know. And the other great thing about those ways, of course, are that unlike alcohol and other drug quick fixes, you don't get that come down afterwards. It, it's a, a benefit that stays with you longer, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's even another way to, to relieve stress that's even closer to home. And uh, as long as you're not driving at the moment or using heavy machinery, I would invite, invite all our listeners to put their feet flat on the floor, to allow their spines to be comfortable. And using their abdominal muscles, using their tummies, to just take three slow, deep, gentle, rhythmic, relaxed and regular breaths and just notice how that can calm anxiety because when we breathe in the opposite way which is rapid chaotic shallow and upper chest um, actually it brings anxiety so even just using the breath can help us reduce levels of anxiety and distress in the system and restore a level of balance so it's as simple as the breath Something else we take in through our noses or our mouths. Uh, well, we don't take, don't drink through our noses. We cough and splutter all over the place, wouldn't we? But, uh, um, are there any other websites that we ought to know about? Is there a, a helpline we should know about for general things? We use alcohol to self-medicate distress sometimes. Um, there are other problems going on. Is, is there a Somerset helpline that we should know about, particularly um, for coronavirus, the Somerset coronavirus helpline? Uh, there, sorry, I, I haven't got the details to give, but I'll just look. I, I do. I can jump in because it's it's happily sitting in front of me. So it's uh, Somerset Coronavirus Helpline, 0300 790 6275. And of course, uh, as we give a plug every time we do the podcast, uh, there's uh, Mindline, which is a 24-7 support for anyone with mental health issues, including advice for alcohol. 01823 So, um, last word to you, Carl. Thank you very much for coming and joining us and, and talking through uh, issues about alcohol, um, ready for Alcohol Awareness Week. Anything else you'd like, any final message you'd like to share? Final message? Um, absolutely. Alcohol it is UK's favourite coping mechanism, but we'd like to change that and the five ways is a good place to start sounds good advice that sounds great thank you so much thank you carl and thank you peter thank you thank you bye-bye everyone go well you've been listening to the somerset emotional well-being podcast hosted by dr andrew Tresider and dr peter bagshaw the show was created by david seeley and was produced by rob hunt's music on behalf of the somerset clinical commissioning group 